0: You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hey everybody, how's it going? I was having a little bit of designer's block when I was trying to decide what topic to devote this podcast to and I have been inundated with questions amazing questions that I can't wait to answer so I figured since there's so many of them filling up my inbox I'll just devote another episode to answering your burning questions this is big design small budget I'm Betsy Helmuth and let's dive in So thanks so much for emailing me, guys. It is such a huge help, especially when I'm brainstorming new topics. Speaking of writing in and brainstorming, feel free to send me some ideas that you might have of topics you want to know more about. I'm here. I'm in need of ideas. Send them my way. Let's dive in with an idea that I got from Rachel. Into the old mailbag. Rachel writes, Hi Betsy, my house, a small 1930s-ish craftsman style home, has the original windows and also the original wood trim around those windows. Now before we bought this house, somebody gave it some upgrading, and in doing so they painted most of the trim white. However, in our main living and dining space, all the trim was left unpainted. Seven windows total and two door jams, except for the floor trim, which is also white. I'm not going to lie to you. Our house is no palace and could use a lot of sprucing up, but that unpainted wood trim is beautiful and it gives the home lots of character. My question is how do I style this space with that wood trim? Almost every picture these days that I see has white trim. Help! My hubby wants us to paint the walls. What color goes with wood trim? Lastly, this space is, as you've said on your podcast, a wood factory. Wood floors, wood dining table, wood trim, and a collection of hand-me-down pieces that are mostly wood. What can I do to see less brown without painting all that original wood trim? Thanks, Rachel, from Tacoma, Washington. P.S. I've been binge listening to your podcast, and I love it! Yes! Well, thanks for being a super fan, Rachel. I love that. But after I tell you my answer, you may not be a fan anymore. I hope that's not the case. I hope you stick with me. But you know my style. You know I'm going to tell it like it is. You need to paint that trim. Because it really bothers me when I go into a home and in one room I see trim treated differently. So in one room I'll see some wood trim and then I'll also see some white trim. I just went into a house the other day in Westchester and it had some gray trim, some white trim, and some wood trim. I thought the gray trim was such a cool idea. I was like, wow, they really went for it. Wow, they're really making a statement. But then when I saw those other trims and how they were treated all in one view, it wasn't even on a different floor or really in a different room. I could clearly see in this open floor plan several trim treatments and it was not okay. And the reason I'm going to tell you to paint that trim versus to strip the other trims that are wood is because it's really hard to strip wood of paint. It's a very difficult task. And you're already telling me that there's a lot of wood in this space. So I just think it looks weird that you only have seven pieces that are left unpainted, even if they happen to all be in one room. I betcha. I can see that white trim in other areas. And since the floorboards are white, I just feel like it's a no-brainer to finish it off. See, Rachel? I told you, you weren't going to like my answer. But I feel strongly about this as somebody who's seen a lot of mismatched trim. It just looks funky. It does not look sophisticated. It does not look rich and luxe. It looks like you forgot something. It looks like you ran out of white paint. If you were the kind of person who had all wood trim and didn't have any of it painted white, I'm not someone who just automatically says paint it white. It will give it a lighter, brighter feel. I do think that there's something pretty special about having that original wood tone in the space. But if part of it's already gone, adios. Um, But if you were somebody who does have that situation somewhere in Washington or elsewhere, I would recommend keeping it unless your home is very dark. Because it's just one of those things you can't go back on. It's very hard to undo painted trim. So Rachel, now that you find yourself in this conundrum, whether or not you take my advice, you had another question for me about what color to paint the walls. And wood trim is a neutral. But even if it's white, it's still a neutral. So that doesn't guide me one way or the other in terms of what color you should paint your space. What would guide me is, does your home feel dark? If it does feel dark, especially in these open rooms, in other words, not like a closed den or a closed bedroom, I tend to go with a light color just so that it feels open and airy and doesn't exacerbate the problem of it being dark. When you paint a naturally dark room dark, it does make it feel super cozy and super comfy But it's hard to have every kind of experience that you want to have in there, so it's best for a den where you want one predominant mood of study, or intense reading, or intense discussion, or in a bedroom where you want a lot of relaxation, something very soothing, just one type of experience. So I'm really open in terms of what color you paint your walls, but if you're feeling like there's a lot of brown, because wood is mostly brown, so if you're feeling like there's a lot of that tone, I would avoid beige. Uh, I would steer more towards a gray beige, beige, as you know from my previous podcasts, or even a nice color, because a beautiful color is so nice when it's trimmed in a wood tone. You got a little bit of tough love there, Rachel, but hopefully that answered all your questions. So, Rachel, a few days later, sent me another question, and I'm happy to help. She writes... My husband and I live in an old home on the West Coast near Seattle. It's our first house. I was attracted to your podcast because of the name Big Design Small Budget because I am certainly on a small budget. As such, I can't design a whole room at once. As a result, I don't ever do anything. I think, gosh, I would like to replace that light fixture, but then I should also change out that chair and the rug and then what color would I paint the walls and on and on. And I decide I'm too poor, but then one day maybe I'll have a thousand extra dollars or a few thousand and I'll do everything at once. What is your advice for how to tackle a room one small change at a time? Thanks, Rachel. I recommend having an overall design vision for your space before you start picking, 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 and doing things little by little. Most of us have to do things little by little. Most of us can't afford to just sweep in and make all our dreams come true in one instant. What I would recommend starting with is that clear vision. The easiest way to get a super clear vision is to find an inspiration photo or four. I do not exceed four inspiration photos. I do not create a whole Pinterest board with a whole mess of things because I want your focus to be laser sharp. I want you to know exactly what you want to do with each room and have something that you can always go back to. Because if you're going to be doing these things in stages, your ideas and what you like might be continually evolving. And then your room is always going to look like a haphazard mishmash. It's never going to look like you had one through line, one idea. So find that picture or up to four pictures that you can really commit to executing over time that you feel confident you'll be excited about for years to come for at least as long as you're going to be working on this project and a few years after so you can enjoy it. If I was going to start with something, like I said, I'd start with the pictures, but one thing that you can almost start doing even without pictures, even though I'm hesitant to give you that license, is you could start doing those light fixtures, those architectural details that are intrinsic to the home that aren't going to change like furniture. Because I really want the finishes that you choose to match your home. I remember from your previous question that it's a craftsman. So that has got a lot to say in and of itself in terms of oftentimes using bronze or those darker metals in terms of using straight lines maybe a little bit of stained glass so i would start with architectural changes that you want to make not only because they are awesome for resale value and you will definitely be getting your money back if you make changes that are appropriate to the architecture because anyone who's buying a craftsman style home is going to be into changes that you make that are intrinsic to the home If you decide to go in a super modern direction, it may not give you that reward that you're hoping to reap once you resell, only because it's incongruent with the home. But I think if you stick with the era and just update it a little bit, you could easily change out some ceiling fans, some light fixtures, some outlet switch plates, some doorknobs, Some kitchen handles. So these are things that you can change out really quickly and easily. You'll get a big visual bang for your buck. And they don't tend to wear out. Meaning that that light fixture isn't going to get stained by red wine. Meaning that nobody's running into your wall sconce with their scooter. So those are things where you'll really get the money back and get the visual impact you're looking for. So, Rachel, I hope that helped. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. Now it's time for a question from Shani. Shani writes, Where should I put the bed pillows when I am sleeping? So Shaney, I imagine that you're referring to the idea that you have a lot of extra decorative pillows that you don't actively sleep with and that you don't just want to throw them on the floor, which is what I find a lot of my clients do, so you need a location for them. First, let me just share my philosophy with you about decorative pillows. I love decorative pillows on a sofa. I love a lumbar pillow on a side chair. They just allow you to sit in lots of different ways. They add a fun pop of color and visual interest. They're like little paintings for your upholstered furniture. I hate decorative pillows on beds. I do. I know, is that sacrilege for an interior designer? But it's truly how I feel. The reason I hate decorative pillows on beds is because you don't actually sleep with them. At least none of the clients I know do. They throw them on the floor, or they have a chair in their bedroom, aka an upholstered hamper. You know my feelings on that, Shaney. So they have a chair in their bedroom, and they throw all the pillows onto that chair and it just looks craptastic for such a large part of the day. I really struggle with this because a lot of my fellow designers, including some that work for my firm, really dig oodles of decorative pillows and I'm just not sure where people put them. I think this is the reason a lot of people have benches at the foot of their bed is so they can pile up pillows either inside or on top of that one time. I decided to get fancy. When my husband and I got married, I decided that I wanted to try four pillows instead of two. That means two pillows that would match the duvet set and two pillows that would match the sheet set. And I was like, I want that complete look. I want that amazing put-together bed. So I went for it. And I found that those two pillows that matched the duvet were always on the floor. It was such a bummer, and that beautiful, complete look that I was hoping to achieve just looked a little bit lackluster. For me, I'm a two-pillow kind of gal, and I had to come to terms with that, even though I'm still conflicted. So, Shaney, I hope that helps. Get a chair, get a bench, or get rid of all those freaking decorative pillows. All right, my next question comes from Carol carol writes hi betsy like you we just bought a home in the suburbs and are leaving our urban miami beach small apartment life we were never committed to our space as we were renting for the past 10 years before we listened to your podcast did your online classes and bought your book we didn't even know what mid-century modern was we are now in the process of choosing a nightstand and dressers for our master bedroom as well as sofa and tables for the family room While we know the pieces we like, we're having a hard time picking the right color tone for them. It seems like everything we have is the same color as our walls, moonshine for the living room, or it has the exact texture and color as our floor, grayish wood laminate on the master or bed, which is gray and tufted. We are afraid that the master will look too dark if we go with dark tables and dresser, and we're afraid our sofa will look the same color as our walls. Of course, we will add pops of color, but we have moonshine wall color and light color tile in the living room. Keeping in mind we have children, is light gray okay for the sofa? We fell in love with the Ventura sofa from Z Gallery, and we can't seem to identify the right mid-tone neutral. For the master, would the room look too dark if we got the metal-wrapped zinc anise nightstands from Restoration Hardware? The walls are Grand Teton white. The master has a lake view and lots of natural light. Same for the living room. Thank you so much. We learn a lot from you. All right, Carol, let's get those questions answered. You know what I think I need to call this episode? I was going to call it Burning Questions, <laughs> but I think I need to call it Design Smackdown between... Poor Shaney with her decorative pillows and poor Rachel with her wood trim. I'm just keeping it a little too real today. (laughs) And Carol, I'm going to have to keep it real with you as well. So when I found out that you loved the Ventura sofa, I wanted to check it out myself because Z Gallery out here on the East Coast does not have an in-store presence. They used to, but it closed and I definitely missed them. But I wasn't familiar with this particular sofa. So I went online and checked it out, in fact, I'm looking at it right now, and I am not a fan. Now let me tell you why I'm not a fan, because, you know, these might be the very reasons that you love it, in which case don't listen to me. Um, I don't love it, especially with kids. I don't know how old your kids are, but I know how old my kids are, and this couch would not fly. The reason is because the back pillows are all loose. I hate sofas where the back pillows are all loose with children or anybody who actively sits on their sofa and doesn't constantly want to be primping and plumping their pillows because basically you just have a bench with a lot of back pillows that need constant maintenance. Every time you sit, the back pillows will shift and move. The kids will be throwing them all over the house. I'm just looking into my crystal ball. I'm looking into a crystal ball that would be occurring at my house if we owned this sofa, because those back cushions, those big 24 by 24 plump, pretty cushions in each one of these pictures would be strewn about my living room so that my actual experience day to day with this sofa would be sitting on a banquette. So I just worry about loose cushion sofas with kids or really anybody who doesn't have a lot of time to spend repoofing their pillows. The other concern I have with this sofa is that it's very deep. Have you sat on this sofa? It is so deep. It's like a twin size bed. So that gives me pause as well only because… You better be tall people. If you're at all short, you're not going to be able to put your legs over the edge without being not at the back of the sofa. My next concern with this sofa is the color choices. There just aren't that many good ones. So I totally feel your pain here that really the only one that I'm enjoying is that Bella Gray, which is a light gray. Now the exciting part about it is that this is a microfiber Uh, Not always my favorite texture, but this is a velvet textured microfiber, which I do like, and they tend to be very durable and very stain resistant. So there's a pro for you, but all in all, not my favorite. I would consider looking, especially with this price point, because this is a hefty price point for a couch. So unless you're just absolutely in love, I would ask you to look at a place like well looking at this style which is quite modern i would recommend you look at room and board i would look at blue dot i would look at mitchell gold bob williams i would look at design within reach or even bow concept because this price point at 23.98 for a sofa is very high so if you're willing to go there let's shop around a little bit and get more of that mid-tone versus light gray and get a sofa that maybe isn't split in two because that's another one of my issues is this has middle legs that are obviously such that perhaps it could split in two. I'm not on board with this sofa, Carol. Um, So there's that. So my next thing that you had asked is about this gray. Yes, I do find that people tend to fall into this gray trap where everything becomes a different shade of gray. From the wall paint to the upholstery to the rugs. To just about everything. And so I'm really excited that you're planning on infusing this space with pops of color. Now, I think that you could bring in some white. Now, white wouldn't be ideal for upholstery. But certainly you could use it in wall paint in terms of bright trim. Or because you do have what seems to me a modern aesthetic, maybe some white lacquer furniture. Just to break up the gray mania The other thing that you might want to think about in terms of breaking up the gray is getting a rug that has some color. And you know what I think will really be a saving grace? Get it? Saving grace? Okay, anyway. The thing that I think will really be a saving grace for you is some window treatments. Because I think... Either some blinds that have a wood texture to warm up all this cool gray mixed with drapes on either side that will be a splash of color will really be a breath of fresh air in this otherwise gray neutral space you're creating. But I also love in the bedroom the idea of those white walls. That sounds just decadent and luscious. And I'm totally into those zinc nightstands from Restoration. I think what you need to start thinking about because you have gray nightstands and a gray headboard is mixing it up in terms of the textures that you incorporate with the bedding. So maybe bright white sheets and a colorful duvet. I also think the lamps will make a big difference because they're kind of the middleman between the nightstands and the headboard. So if you do a lamp that's in a ceramic tone that's maybe a color or even do a glass, you can break away from that metal and also break away from any more gray tones with that piece. So I think you've got your foundational grays, which I'm obviously not super opposed to. Now I challenge you to integrate in a nice way some new colors, some new textures, and some awesome window treatments. So I hope that's been a help, Carol. I love reaching into my old mailbag and talking to you guys, even when I do have to give a design smackdown. Thank you so much for your questions. Please keep them coming. Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com And if you need more help, if you have a lot of questions, did you know that I do online interior design consultations? That's right. For $395, you can get two hours of intensive interior design time with me. You just email me at Betsy at com. we'll set it up, I work 7 days a week, but only during the daytime hours, so we'll find that 2 hour window of time that works for your time zone. You'll send me pictures, measurements, I'll request some specific things, and I'll send you a little list, and then we'll dive in together. We'll create a floor plan for one room and source 8-10 to items for that room all within that 2 hour window. Or if you have other things you want to tackle, come prepared with your questions. Two hours of amazing design time with me. I do them every weekend. I got one this Saturday and Sunday coming up, actually. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for sending in these amazing questions. And a huge shout out to my producer, Catherine Heller. To my wonderful house band, Aton and the Embassy. And to Affordable Interior Design, the premier place to get amazing design, even if you have a low budget. As a final note on today's podcast, you know I've spent the day doling out some tough love and I actually received a little bit of tough love from a listener this week. So I'm going to read her email. She said, Hi Betsy, I recently moved in... Oh, She writes... I have just started binge listening to your podcast and I'm learning so many great things I wanted to thank you. I do have a challenge with the music which reminds me of a title song for a sitcom. I would prefer something more chill or at least not to have it bookend every episode. Thanks, Hisa from California. Well, there you go. Actually, the reason that I selected that song is because I love it and thought it sounded just like the theme song for a sitcom. And I am a TV junkie. And so I was like, yes, that was the exact effect I was going for. So I'm glad that it landed, Hesa, but I'm sorry that you don't love it. So just for you, just for you today, I'm going to play us out with a different song. Catherine, I googled Tough Love just to see what would come up so we could stay on topic. And I found this song by Jesse Ware. I don't even know who that is because I'm not cool enough to. But Jesse Ware's Tough Love. I would love it if you would play us out with that song. So until next week, guys, keep your love tough and well-intentioned. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. A fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries extra tips my talking about trends and so much more additionally you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing check us out at affordable click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today Bye.